and welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 1, Episode 19 and 3rd John, Four Men and Their Reputations, Part 1. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this Episode 19, we dive into the Epistle of 3rd John. This is the shortest book in the Bible. In 3rd John, we see a personal letter revolving around four individuals, if we include the writer himself. Quick question, how do you feel about your reputation? How important is reputation to a Christian? What do others think about you? And what does God think about you? All right, let's turn to 3rd John, starting in verse 1. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as your whole life is going well. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. Dear friend, you are acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore we ought to support such people, so that we can be co-workers with the truth. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words, and he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, and the one who does evil has not seen God. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write you, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. Well, 3 John is a personal letter to a man called Gaius concerning him and two other individuals. Let's look at the introduction, starting in verse 1. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Well, the letter starts the same way as 2 John, with the author identifying himself as the elder. We still hold that. This letter was written by John the Apostle, written between 80 and 95 AD. Again, Eusebius, the ancient historian, says it was penned after John was released, from the island of Patmos. If so, this would be the last thing written in the New Testament. Although this is an ancient letter, the actions and attitudes are still quite part of life today. This is the only letter from John that addresses an individual in being Gaius. Well, there are three men with this name that appear in the New Testament. There's a Gaius in Corinth. In Romans chapter 16, verse 21, Timothy, my co-worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosapater, my fellow countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me, 
and to the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. And then we know there was a Gaius of Macedonia. In Acts chapter 19, verse 28, it says, When they had heard this, they were filled with rage and began to cry out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed all together into the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's traveling companions. And then there was a Gaius of Derby. In the very next chapter in Acts, Acts chapter 20, verse 1, after the uproar was over, Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had passed through those areas and offered them many words of encouragement, he came to Greece and stayed three months. The Jews plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria, and so he decided to go back to Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, the son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. Well, Gaius was a common name in the first century, so we cannot say if this was one or any one of these three men that were addressed in this letter. Gaius here was a dear friend of the elder, as stated, but probably meant more to John than these words really truly expressed. John expressed his love for him and the truth. And as we have learned in 2 John, love and truth are intrinsically linked and work together, and the truth is what is being challenged by some. Verse 2 says, Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as your whole life is going well. John offers a brief prayer concerning Gaius. As a dear friend, the word in Greek being agape, agape, agapetite, I know I did that right. He prayed for Gaius to prosper or go well with him and has good health. John was praying that Gaius was just as healthy physically as he was spiritually. The whole life would be inclusive of spiritual wellness. John's standard was spiritual health rather than physical health as the measure of the blessing in this prayer. Gaius was thriving spiritually. The physical health of Gaius could have been an issue. But that is not clear. Gaius was a man of God. So the question is, if we make the standard review of our lives as spiritually healthy and not physically healthy, how would that be measured in your case? Are we physically well, but are we bedridden spiritually, so to speak? What does spiritual health look like? Well, we'll read on. Verse 3. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you are, work, are walking in the truth. How does John know that Gaius was spiritually well? Fellow believers had brought the news that Gaius was walking in the truth. This means that Gaius was faithful in what he believed and how he lived. Gaius was living the faith out daily based on his confession. And so to speak, he walked the walk, he talked the talk, he was demonstrably showing his faith to everyone. This again gives a measuring point for our lives. Verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. The information that the elder John receives gives him no greater joy. 
John is referring to his children in the same way as Paul used it. Perhaps John was instrumental in leading Gaius to faith in Christ. As John Stott writes, Whoever walks in the truth is an integrated believer in whom there is no dichotomy between profession and practice. On the contrary, there is in him an exact correspondence between creed and conduct. Verse 5 says, Dear friend, you are acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. For the third time, John calls Gaius his dear friend. This time, John praises Gaius for offering hospitality to brothers and sisters in Christ, even those who were a stranger to him. There were not many hotels in the first century, and not many places where believers were welcomed. Regional church members were the way that traveling missionaries had shelter and food and money and encouragement. Verse 6 goes on and says, They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. These teachers that were traveling, they had benefited from the hospitality of Gaius, and they were pleased to tell John how important he was to the gospel. This had been made known to the churches. That elder, John, was ministering in a church where that information had come back to. Gaius was fulfilling many of the things that John had taught. 1 John 3 verse 16 says, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And we will see in the next episode that this stood in sharp contrast to someone else whose character is described in this short letter. John then says to send the missionaries on their way in a manner worthy of God, as noted in the New English Translation Bible notes. Apparently, the missionaries are on their way to visit the area where Gaius's church is located a second time. They had been there once already and had returned with good report of how Gaius had assisted them. It is entirely possible that they themselves carry with them the present letter as a letter of introduction. Along these lines, it was suggested that Demetrius, that we see in verse 12, is one of these traveling missionaries, perhaps the leader of the delegation, and the author is formally introducing him to Gaius, since when he was there the last time, he was a stranger, but Gaius assisted him anyway. And then verse 7, which is the second half of, the, of a verse starting in verse 6, since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. So verse 7 finishes this sentence, but when combined with verse 8, it provides the motivation for Gaius's help. These missionaries set out for the sake of the name, the name being reference to Christ. Being set out seems that they were tasked with a mission for Christ. No support was accepted from pagans on this missionary journey. The word pagans refers to Gentile unbelievers. Again, the Net Bible notes explain further, the traveling missionaries sent out to combat the false teaching of the successionist opponents have been accepting nothing by way of support from non-Christians. 
Verse 8 says, therefore, we ought to support such people so that we could be co-workers with the truth. John speaks now of an obligation for believers to support these missionaries as co-workers with the truth. We may not go physically where missionaries are called, but by supporting them with resources and prayer, we are with them anyway as a co-worker. Some support and some are sent, but we are working together for the truth and the causes of Christ. Gaius is a model for the works of the gospel. We have a short epistle with the character of four people, including John being on display for us. We've just studied Gaius, but in episode 20, we will see others. I pray this podcast finds you well. Next episode 20, we will study 3 John, Four Men and Their Reputations, Part 2. This may be the end of the study in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and I hope you have learned something. Shortly, we will finish this study and end Season 1. Season 2 will begin very shortly after as we begin a study in the Old Testament book of Daniel, as it is a foundational book for all of Scripture. I pray that this new year is a new start for you. God bless you, and take care.